and appreciated Travis's um, blessing to us, uh, ministry, and his worship to the Lord in what he just did. What a blessing. Be thou my vision. Is God your vision this morning? Even with the distractions that we're looking at even now, let's try to focus again just for these few minutes as we talk about the importance, one of God's central commands, that is to worship Him. His people need to worship Him. And it's vital, again, to our lives that we understand it accurately and how to do it in a way that pleases Him. What is the primary purpose of our worship? It's to obey God and to please Him in it. Not ourselves, ultimately, but Him. And so, even as we may have some distractions here, we may have to stop in the middle while John comes and says some things. If, if the men need us to do something, that's fine, but we'll just proceed the best we can here. You know, it's only got 30 minutes, so we should be okay. Our definition of worship uh, worship is the process of declaring, by whatever means God ordains, that the Lord is full of glory. Now, a lot of the focus that we've had has been on principles related to worship, and some of those have been um, somewhat, well, actually very negative in uh, nature as we talk about God's desire for right worship and how he has to deal with his people when they won't submit to that, um, that command that he has given to us. Well, today it's going to be more positive and more of the how-to the worship basics is what we're going to be looking at today. And again, this, this, our series is going to continue because we're not going to be able to cover all of this in just one message. And there's plenty more to this in the specifics that we're going to get into as far as the music and the prayer and every aspect of, of worship in our corporate worship service together. But these are the fundamentals, worship fundamentals, that we're looking at this morning. And so we're going to be looking in the Psalms and also the Gospel of John. You can turn, first of all, to Psalm 96. And I'll read this together before we pray. Psalm 96, and looking at verses 7 through 9. And the e I'm reading from the ESV this morning. Ascribe... Where the King James says, give unto, giving the Lord to the Lord, O families of the people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. Father, help us this morning, even through all these distractions, we pray that you will give us full understanding of um, what you desire from us in this issue of worship. Your scriptures are clear, and even as we look at some of the basics, the fundamentals of how we do that today, may we all be in agreement that we need to do this, and that we will be submitted to you as we learn how to do this in a right way, and we will be committed to worshiping you in the way that you desire and what pleases you. Father, we know one day we will all be before the throne and we will be worshiping you perfectly. And we can't um, do that fully down here. But we pray that we, you will help us to please you and to re take regard of you in this so important of an issue. 
And this we ask in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The fundamentals, worship fundamentals, and some basic uh, words today that we're going to be looking at. I just want to give you a quick description beforehand as we look through these passages. The first one we just read there in Psalm 96, verse 7, that's a scribe. That has the idea of give, attribute, and it means to acknowledge God's greatness as we continue on in that psalm as the ruler of the universe. How do we give him glory or ascribe to him? We attribute, we acknowledge that God is great. We acknowledge his sovereignty. And um, we honor him in that. I'm also going to talk about giving glory this morning. The glory, the word, Hebrew word there is kabod. And it has the idea, even in its most basic form, of heaviness or weightiness, importance. And it shows that giving God glory in his splendor, in, in giving him distinction, honor, that it needs to be important to us. It has the idea of recognizing somebody who is worthy of respect and honor, deserving of attention and obedience. And folks, God is the sovereign ruler of the universe, right? And thus, he's fully deserving of our acknowledgement of his unsurpassed nature, of his character. He is worthy of us giving him glory. Holiness, we'll talk about as well. Something unique, set apart. We often think of purity when it comes to holiness. That's a result or an aspect of holiness. But really, when it refers to God, it's more His uniqueness and that He's set apart. He's transcendent from all of His creation. And His people are then to be set apart, to be increasingly holy, pure in our character. That's partly why we're going through essential virtues in Sunday school, is to learn how to grow in our holiness, in our maturity as believers, and honor God in that way. Another um, well-known word in the Old Testament for praise, hallelujah, or hallelujah, that we're going to be looking at today, has the idea of exclaiming hallelujah, of giving praise, of boasting, of rejoicing in who God is. And then worship, we're going to see in the Gospel of John this morning, the New Testament word, proskin nuel, and it means make obeisance or fall down in worship to give God reverence. All of these words are going to come into play this morning. Let's look at Psalm 96 again, and we're going to see the first fundamental is right worship gives glory to God, and it is something, folks, that God commands, and he's right to command this. Giving him glory. Look at that first verse again, Psalm 96, 7. Ascribe to the Lord, acknowledge, attribute to him, O families of the people. This is a command the psalmist is giving us, that God commands us to give him glory. And O families of the people means the people of the world, the families, all that are in the family from the youngest to the oldest, grandparents, All the peoples of the world have this responsibility to recognize God's greatness. It says in the second part of that verse, ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength. And if you remember what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, their lack, the, the people's lack in this world today of obedience to this command of giving God glory is one of the central reasons that they will face eternal judgment. 
And so again, we're reminded of how important this is. Romans 1, verses 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is made plain to them because God has shown it to them from his, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse." God's greatness is apparent to his creation, and when they will not give him glory, they face eternal judgment for that. It's a command that God gives, and it's that important. So what must we do? We, what must we do? We must give attention, recognize the importance, God's weightiness, his worthiness of all our respect and honor as we come before him in this worship service. He is worthy, is he not, folks? He's worthy because of the uniqueness of purity in his character and his sovereignty over all things. That has the idea here in verse 9. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. That he is unique in his greatness and he deserves our glory. Now, when, when he talks about giving God glory, don't misunderstand the psalmist here. He's not in any way saying that we have to give something to God because he's deficient. That's not at all what that means. But what it does mean is we acknowledge his unique strength and power. And that at the end of verse 7 there, his glory and strength has the idea of unique strength that only God can have. And this is a good summary of his full majesty and God expects us to acknowledge his majesty his greatness his glory his right to our worship but God deserves as well not just commands but he deserves because it may sound a little off-putting that God commands us to worship him to anybody else that would be arrogance right for anybody else to demand that I think of Nebuchadnezzar demanding worship in the Old Testament and how evil and how wicked that was. But God is able to demand, and it's right for him to do so. It's fully righteous because he deserves our praise. And that's what it means in verse 8, the glory due his name. God's name is the revelation of his essential identity. It is um, the same as talking about him. And the psalmist says here, he deserves that kind of glory. And it's right for him to expect that from us, that we glorify him. The glory that is owed him. And then we find out the end of verse 8, one of the ways that we can do that is through giving. Bring an offering and come into his courts. This word for offering is an idea of an Old Testament offering that even the poor could bring. It was an offering, it seems to be, of of grain that was accessible to all people. All people in this, this type of offering were able to bring this to the Lord. They had access to the best of what they could bring. And so there's no excuse, in other words. The psalmist is saying, all of us need to do this. And he's saying today in our worship that all of us need to focus on giving not getting from God. Now, we will receive blessing and we'll receive joy from worshiping God, but it's because we're giving to Him. 
So folks, even in our giving here in church, it is literally an act of worship. Don't be thinking, oh, you know, pastor salary needs more money or the pastor of the church needs more money and so I guess I have to give. Seems like I'm always having to tithe. No, that's not the, re- that's not the um, outlook you ought to have at all. But this is, this is my act of worship to God and I am giving this to Him. Whether it's little or whether it's a great amount. We, God deserves for us to give to Him in worship. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, verse 9. This pictures God dressed in the splendor in a robe of holiness, dressed in all of His splendor. And this pointing out that, remember that word worship again has the idea of bowing down, humbling ourselves in obeisance before God dressed in all His splendor, His holiness, His uniqueness, His purity. When we meditate on who God is, it ought to cause us, as the prophets did of old, when they were confronted with God's glory, to bow and to submit before Him. That's really the only response. And that's what the psalmist says here. And then he uses an interesting word, tremble before Him, all the earth. Trembling in a sense of people realizing their lack of worthiness to be before God But even more specifically, for God's people, I think this really has the idea of trembling and excited anticipation. You know, that word tremble can mean a couple of things. It can mean um, in awe or fear, um, in, in, in being agitated about the fearfulness of seeing this kind of majesty and glory. It can also, is used in the Old Testament for the type of dancing that would go on. Um, among God's people, the whirling and the agitation that would go on before them. But here, I think it has to do with his people having excited anticipation that we get to worship God. We get to worship God this morning. I've been focusing, thinking about all that God is and his character and his majesty, and to think that he allows us to come before him and worship him today. Amazing. And what focusing then on what we can get I'm sorry, focusing on what we can give. And folks, don't ever think that we can ever give God too much. There's always more worship that we need to give God. Not getting, but giving Him. I remember looking at some videos. We we took a lot of videos of the boys growing up, and every so often I like to look back at them. And the Christmas videos are particularly exciting. Because these boys, when they get excited about Christmas, especially when they were younger, I mean, they take it seriously. And we have, because they were so excited and there was so much, um, it could immediately erupt into chaos if we weren't careful. So we had a systematic approach to it where they they would all, of course, wake up way too early because they couldn't think, they were thinking of all the gifts that they were going to get. And they had to stay at the top of the stairs while we made some final arrangements And then we had to, we would slowly let them down, but then we would have to go to the Christmas stockings first and empty those and see all of those. And then we could come back up and then it was the big moment for the presents under the tree. And as these guys were waiting and just um, almost going crazy, you could see it on their faces. They just, it's fun to watch because sometimes it's like they could barely control themselves and they would shake and it, it, maybe sometime I'll just have to show you. Wouldn't that be fun, guys? I'll just bring up the, the TV here and we'll just watch the video. 
And, and there would be almost a, a, a trembling of anticipation, and then they would finally, you know, get to the time where it was their time to empty out their stocking and, of course, open their gifts, and there would be a, you know, a little tapping and, and different things. They, they made it very clear that this was very important to them, and they were very excited about it. Well, uh, minus maybe the lack of control there, because remember we've talked about that worship does, that we need to maintain self-control. Really, though, Folks, when's the last time we had that kind of excitement about worshiping God? It's what we should have. I have to admit, even in my own spirit, and I've been convicted in studying this, I think, do I really, do I really anticipate getting together and worshiping God corporately like I should? Do I have that kind of excitement? When we reflect on what Jesus has done for us and all that he means to us, We literally ought to come to our morning worship service together, anticipating, maybe even trembling a little bit, the fact that we get to honor God for all that he's done for us. He expects that we will give him glory. So let's just practically think through our worship service today. Did we recognize God's importance and greatness in our singing this morning? Were you thinking on the words? In our praying, as we were praying together, Were we meditating on the goodness, the greatness of God, the splendor of His holiness? In our reading of Scripture, were you listening to the words? Were you, did did it it come across to you how important and how awe-inspiring God is? In our giving, did we reflect that? Even now, as we're listening to the message, are you looking at God's word? Is it causing you, as you understand his truths better, to praise him? And to uh, does it bring up a joy in your hearts? How about during the week in your personal prayer and meditations on him? Are you giving him the glory that he deserves? Are you acknowledging, God, you're greater than me in all my decisions I make this week, in what I do on my job, and how I interact with my family? Am I personally giving you glory because you've commanded me to do that? We can make it very practical, can't we? Right worship gives glory to God. Number two, right worship rejoices over the character of God. Go to Psalm 135, verses 3 through 6. We'll be looking at briefly here. And this is going to talk about something that we know we should do. But as Dr. Berg said this morning, this doesn't tend to be habitual for us. And it almost seems strange. And yet the more we do it and the more we consider right worship, the more it becomes natural to us and becomes more habitual. And that is rejoicing over who God is. Folks, if you've ever, and hopefully you've done that even this past week, if you've reflected even today on the goodness of God and what He's done for us, you know you have much to rejoice in. There should be much joy in your heart. And the psalmist reminds us here that worshiping God is rejoicing and giving thanks over who He is. And that verse 3 there, praise the Lord. That word praise, again, has the idea of offering up praise out of the joy of of our hearts, and joyful exclamation for why? Why should we do that? Because the Lord is good. Sing praises. Our singing ought to be joyful to His name. That name, again, remember, is a um, a description of who He is, His character, for it is pleasant. Um, 
Basically, what the psalmist is saying here is his goodness deserves our glad praise, not our dark doubts. How many times do we get hurt by something or we, we go through difficult times or we're suffering through um, some, some tribulation and we start to doubt how good God is? And folks, the more we reflect on God and His mercies to us and the fact that He's provided Jesus for us and that we have salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and so many things, even through the darkest times, we ought to be able to rejoice in who God is, not doubt Him. He doesn't deserve that. God doesn't deserve our doubt. It's not right worship. It's not worship at all. But it is our glad praise is what is he is deserving of. Our singing and our worship should be joyful and glad. Did you enjoy singing to the Lord this morning? As you thought upon the truths that we were singing about, Lord, you're all I need. Jesus, regardless of whatever else happens, even if the power goes out in church today, you're all I need. And I rejoice in that, that you've provided me everything I need for eternal life. There ought to be a joy in our singing. It is pleasant uh, it, it should be a happy, pleasant experience for us in our worship service to talk about his attributes. <clears throat> Again, God in his goodness, verse 4. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession, or his own peculiar treasure. Folks, this is referring on, or directly to God's people in the Old Testament. Israel and the fact that they were chosen among all the other nations to represent God. But today the application is to God's people, all those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You are chosen too. That aspect of salvation, God's sovereign choosing. He has chosen us to be His children. And this beautiful picture here, He has chosen us to be His treasured possession. God loves you as His child those that have put their faith and trust and confidence in Jesus. You are God's treasure. That ought to, that ought to just um, amaze you, fill you with wonder. It ought to fill me with wonder that God would choose me to be his child and that I would be his treasured possession. And for that, I ought to sing joyfully, rejoice over his love for me that he would do that. His goodness deserves our joyful praise, but also His greatness deserves our joyful acknowledgement. And look at verse 5 there in Psalm 135. The psalmist says, For I know the Lord is great. I acknowledge. I understand. How do we do that? By reading His Word. Pouring over God's Word. Understanding who He is. And that our Lord, our Lord is above all gods. Not the idea that there are true, legitimate other gods and that God is the best one overall. But this really shows the fact that all other gods are powerless. They're false. They're impotent. And that He trumps all other gods by then, thereby showing that they're false. That they're not real. That they have no power at all. That is our God. He is the one true God. And His sovereign greatness provides us with this joy and hope, and it motivates our praise. His sovereignty, verse 6, whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and on earth 
and seas and all the and all the depths, all the deeps, excuse me. And here we have then an opportunity to prepare our heart for worship by reflecting on the work that he has done in our lives and throughout all creation as we get together. Folks, really, like I said earlier, we ought to come to this service this morning having reflected on the greatness of God. Look at the beauty of the color in the autumn season that we've been enjoying. If you've gone around, if you've gone north of us to the White Mountains or to the coast and just marvel in the beauty of of New England, remember, that's all God's creation. And that ought to funnel us to think, to praise God. What a great God we have. What a beautiful creativity that He has in His creation. And then that ought to prepare our hearts to worship Him. That He will do whatever He pleases. Even in losing power in a church service, God has a purpose for this as well. I don't know about you, and I think you would share this concern with me, but I think part of the trouble that we have with, as we look at our political situation today and our leadership in our country, it's bad enough that there's so many um, seeming legislation and, and bills and things being passed that are just totally against biblical principles and and congressmen and, and senators and, and all kinds of, of legislators that are trying to push things into our society that just go totally against what the Bible says that we um, should be doing. That's frustrating enough. But even more so, folks, isn't it the arrogance of political leaders today that just disregard God's ways and His righteous rules? The arrogance and pride that they have when they do these things is incredibly frustrating. And I had this thought last night. The Lord reminded me of this as I was studying for this. Even in the midst of this arrogance and this thumbing of um, people's noses in our country today of what is good and right and holy, folks, the psalmist reminds us God is still doing what he pleases. He is having his will done even in the midst of that. He's using that arrogance for his own purposes. And one day those people will be humbled. And so in application to this, remember when we see that kind of pride and it frustrates us, remember what the psalmist says, and yet God's doing what he pleases. God's not, his purposes are not thwarted in the least. And all of this is going to come together in God's plan and work for him in a way that we don't even understand yet. Remember the sovereignty of God as you look on the things that are going on in our world today and let that cause you to rejoice that even in the most frustrating, wicked things that we see, that God is in control and He will bring everything to a righteous end and we can rejoice in that. He will do what He wants done. And for the believer, that's a joy. That's our hope that God is going to do what He thinks is best. Right worship rejoices over the character of God. And finally, right worship submits to the truth of God. Turn quickly to John 4, verses 23 through 24. We've seen these verses before. We've been here. But there's an important, basic truth. And that is our submission to the truth of God in our worship. God seeks our submission to His truth. Where do we find His truth again? In His Word. And Jesus is talking with a Samaritan woman here and they're working through an age-old dilemma with God's people about where worship should be in the temple in Jerusalem 
or the Samaritans worship him separately in a different region. And Jesus says, there is a time coming that all of that is going to be made null and void. It's not going to matter. Verse 23 of chapter 4. But the hour is coming, and he's referring there to his death and resurrection. When that takes place and is now here, the fact that he is with her, and God's timeline is moving forward on this, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. The Father is seeking our submission to him in worship, in spirit and in truth. We now, because of Christ's death and resurrection, there's a new aspect that we get to enjoy, that we worship God, not with all those offerings and bloody sacrifices, but spiritually, through our hearts, in honoring Him. And yet in that, as wonderful as that is, God, Jesus makes it clear, God gets to decide how He expects us to be worshipped, or for Him to be worshipped. And he is seeking, as Jesus says here, those who desire to do it his way. As God's seeking each of us here, and looking at our hearts, does he find hearts that say, Lord, however you want me to honor you and worship you and glorify you, I'm ready to do that. It's a worship fundamental. It's a basic. Submitted to the way that God wants us to worship. He's seeking today. Will he find that in us? And also, God is seeking our dependence in His truth. And in our worship should reflect our dependence. God is spirit, verse 24. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. As I look out today and as we're worshiping, I can't really know whether you're really truly obeying God in worship. Because I can't see your heart. I can't see your spirit. And I may be able to put on a good act, and you may not necessarily know that I am worshiping in the way, in a submitted way that I'm supposed to, but God does. And God does expect us in our hearts, our spiritual worship, for it to be submitted and for us to be dependent upon Him as we worship together. God knows if we are worshiping in the right way in our spirit. And our worship must be according to the truth of God's Word. We're going to continue to look at the details of what God expects from us in worship in this series. But folks, a worship basic is, are we submitted to that? As we learn what God wants, are we ready in our hearts to say, yeah, that's how I'm going to worship. That's what I'm going to do. And furthermore, I'm depending upon God as I worship Him, as providing everything that I need and, uh, and um, even providing power <laughs> that we need in His righteous time. That's a great way to end a message <laughs> with the power back on. But I'll use it as an illustration because it's a pastor's prerogative. Um, God can do what He pleases. God can shut the power off. He can turn it on when He wants to. And in our hearts, rather than being in turmoil over a worship service going the way that did not going the way that we wanted it to, are we really looking at ourselves and saying, "Did I give God the glory that He deserved today?" It may not have gone the way that I was expecting, but that doesn't really matter. Did it go the way that God expected it to go? 
in our worship today? Are we submitted to God together here today in our corporate worship? So what are these worship basics, fundamentals this morning? We need, we are commanded to give Him glory, to attribute and acknowledge His importance in His majesty and in His character. We must rejoice in who He is, rejoice in that knowledge, and have hearts of joy and praise that are ready to sing, that are ready to worship, that are ready to pray, that are ready to give, that are ready to listen to God's Word. And finally, hearts that are ready to submit to whatever He calls us to do in worship. Those are the basics, folks. And if you don't have those going on in your life this morning, you're not truly worshiping God in the way that He expects. So one more time here, I'm going to ask the question, are we found, even this morning, as the Lord seeks for people to worship Him in the way that He expects, will He find us doing that? Or do we need some more work on that? Let's humbly bow before Him and ask for His help. Father, these are the basics. Thank you, by the way, for supplying our power again. And we pray that you would maintain that for our concert tonight. But Lord, as we consider our need in these areas to give you glory, to recognize your majesty and your greatness, to then rejoice over your character, to rejoice in your sovereignty, to rejoice in the fact that you do whatever you want, and we're glad for that to rejoice that you have chosen us to be your treasure, that you love and treasure us, to rejoice in the fact that you are good, good in all of your things, in all the things that you do. And then, Lord, as well, to submit to whatever you would have, however you would ask us to worship, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it um, is something that goes beyond what we're comfortable with that we would submit ourselves to your principles and commands of worship. Lord, may, may the worship here in Village Chapel Baptist Church be glorifying and honoring to you. And may our personal worship in our personal lives be the same. Help us to grow in our commitment to this, to grow in our daily recognition of who you are. Lord, it would be wonderful for our folks to come next week filled with remembrances of their study of you and your character and what you've done in their lives this past week and be ready to, in awe and in reverence, worship you well. Help us to do that continually. And Lord, thank you for your many blessings that you give to us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.